All right, everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome to the first installment of a little podcast I like to call In My Rear View. Uh, I had the idea to begin this podcast several times over. Um, over the course of, I want to say five years. So I'm 31 now. So I guess six years when I turned 25, I'd experienced so many things and in having those experiences in retrospect, many of those experiences were, um, undesirable. And if I had to choose to go through any of them again, I would absolutely say, no, just tell me what I need to learn flat out from from that experience and and I'll go a different direction. But I think the truth is, is shown in this idea that hindsight really is 2020 and when we look in retrospect we can see oh that's what I tripped over or I didn't pay attention to that sign and while I believe everybody has to go through their own life experiences my heart wants to share my life experiences as that lesson in lieu of the heartache, in lieu of the pain or the uh, diverted course. So I, I named this podcast In My Rear View because a lot of these lessons I didn't learn until I looked back and glanced. And it was really just a glance <laughs> at what I'd come through. And then the lesson hit me. So uh, that's what really inspired this. So a little about me, um, I go by Umi. Um, Umi is an Arabic word that means mother. And I am a mother and I'm a wife and I'm a sister and I'm a teacher. But I believe my role as a mother is the role that I cherish the most. And I honor that role and I honor the role of mothers because mothers stand as the first teachers and the first uh, comforters and the first nurturers and a lot of first for humans as they develop their experiences. So, um, so I go by Umi, and I, and and it's because I want to speak from a place that is from the heart of my role as a mother not saying that people who listen to this are younger than me maybe people who are older than me um not saying that people who will listen and gravitate to this podcast are people who don't have mothers in their lives because you 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 may you may have a wonderful mother who's taught you so many things um but when I say 
I'm speaking from the heart of a mother. I'm speaking from a place of compassion, genuine compassion, genuine love and care and concern for the hearers of my words. And the goal is like with mothers, the goal is that you don't have to go through it since I went through it. So that's why um, I'm sitting or standing um, from that position. So as I said, I am a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a teacher. I've been teaching middle schoolers for six years now. And I've been teaching them language arts. And and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But I've had uh, several difficulties. The constant thing that I have enjoyed is watching humans who are at a very delicate and sensitive stage in their lives, watching them just gradually transition into a new platform in life, going from children into teenagers who are closer to adulthood than they even realize. And it's it's enjoyable to not only recognize that, but to also um be a part of that cultivation and that gradual shift so I, I really do love that um what I would like to say as a disclaimer I am not a licensed counselor I am not um a doctor of any kind I'm a teacher I have a bachelor's degree in psychology from Georgia State University and that bachelor's degree in psychology has given me a lot of foundational um, insight, but it's also given me the mind to uh, read and uh, accept other uh, paradigms of thinking and other uh, theories um, for managing stress in life. And with that baseline of a psychology degree, I have at least the ability to acknowledge which things are um, psychologically or uh, sound or reliable in the field of psychology. So I'm I'm not going to say anything that is off base from what the books say. I'm not going to say that everything is research-based either. Some of these things are um, experience-based. Some of these are based on my experiences with my own um, counselor. But um, they're not... I don't want anyone to think that I am standing as a licensed um, counselor. I'm not now... Um, if I do obtain that title, I will absolutely let you all know. But at this juncture, at the installment of In My Rear View, no, I am yet a an educator um, in the field of middle grades. And that's where um, my uh, graduate degree holds. So a lot of my experience come my uh experiences and my perspective and insight comes from that okay I'm a wife been married for three years happily married um marriage is I'm realizing something that is not as peachy and pristine as the pictures or the television shows or the movies would 
would suggest and I know we hear that all the time and it sounds like a cliche but I think that's something that should be said more like marriage is absolutely positively doing life with another individual and when you can wrap your head around that then you can wrap your head around what's required so if life gets difficult for you it becomes difficult for them and vice versa when life is difficult for them it can become difficult for you but the blessing in it is that you can manage these difficulties together so um some of the things that I'll speak on will be things that I've learned over my three years of marriage um so that's you know where I sit with that um and I am a sold out believer in Jesus Christ and I believe in his power I believe in the power of God I believe in his omniscience I believe in his plan and his will for our lives and I am unapologetic about it so I'm not a preacher and I don't profess to be a preacher, but I will absolutely lean on what has gotten me through. And that is the word of God. So as I'm speaking, you will hear me often speak on um, God and his design or what I've learned his design for things are. Um, But I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. And um, I just wanted to get those things out of the way so that you all can know where I'm standing from. And that's why I'm telling you I go by Umi because I'm just going coming from a perspective, not looking down, but looking with you. And we're doing this together. That's what I'd like to be able to have this platform be where we're doing this together. So let's crack into the first topic. I recently was reading and in my readings and in my research, and it was actually a part of a devotion. um, The writer spoke about us acknowledging some of our baggage and it was actually in relationship to sex in marriage and how we don't speak on sex in marriage and we especially as Christians prior to um, young women becoming married um, we tell her sex is bad don't do it don't get anywhere near it um, and that in my reading translates into a form of sexual baggage and sexual baggage because it does not fall in line with what God actually planned for sex or relationships to be okay so in my pondering of that devotional I came to a place where I wanted to really think about okay well what is some of my sexual baggage and you know originally you know you you give the typical answers like oh yeah yeah um I had a horrible boyfriend and I just I felt that sex became a uh a feeling of being used because that's what I felt like I was only there for to be used for his pleasure and I know a lot of us have that and that's that's a real 
piece of actual sexual baggage because we're not used and we're not meant to be used. We're meant to be giving to one another. Um, But that was kind of where I rested in those experiences once I started having sex or experiences where I was taught, oh, no, watch out for boys. All they want is your panties. And and that's not something that was only said in in my household like that was something that was said often and I've heard people reiterate it or it was said in various ways and um so that's a piece of sexual baggage and but I only thought about those things like when I was spoken to about sex or when I had experienced sex those are the only things I initially attributed to sexual baggage But while I sat, and it was actually days later after reading that particular devotional, but while I sat and the thought of sexual baggage kind of came back to me, I realized that there have been so many experiences that I've had prior to sex or being talked to about sex And that were not even really sex related, but they helped to frame my outlook on sex. And it happened really early on um, around like fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh, eighth grade. So that middle grades range. And I want to pause and put a pin in that so that we recognize that the adolescent phase, phase, that period between 10 and 14 that is crucial and we don't realize how crucial it is because the children are not really talking about it while they're going through it but their minds are interpreting so many messages during that period of time and they're not even aware of it so we always say okay well yeah they're having their hormonal shifts but no really A lot of what's happening is they're receiving these messages and they're not knowing how to interpret it. So let's always be mindful when children are in that phase that we're really delicate with them and what we say and what we do and the labels that we place on things and the blanketed statements we say without explanation. Let's be more mindful and more careful about what we do and say when we're imparting nuggets into um, even our children, our nieces, nephews, cousins, whomever. Let's be more careful and more mindful. So that's a little note on that. But yes, my uh, sexual baggage or, or emotional baggage, I'll take it even further. A lot of it came in middle school and it, it, it came in middle school because, yes, I was having these experiences as a, a young girl whose hormones were firing off and I was having desires and having feelings in my, uh, what do they call it, your nether regions. And I was having these feelings and they were coming at spontaneously, it seemed, um, without any stimulus of any kind. And... Um, I didn't know how to deal with it or communicate it uh, or communicate those feelings because 
I really only heard of sex from a very pious fire and brimstone vantage point where it was if you have sex before marriage you're going to hell if you have a baby before marriage you're going to hell and we're going to disown you if you have desires for sex it's something that you're not doing right as a Christian if you're having these yearnings you need to do more in your searchings and your devotions it made sex very bad and it made the person who was evaluating sex very accusatory or even back to that statement that I said earlier Leave these boys alone because all they want is your panties. And I remember hearing that statement either said to me or said to cousins, sisters, aunties or whomever. I heard the statement made and I remember hearing it before I even reached middle school. So already you have this idea boys only want your panties. They only want what's between your legs. And already that's a bad way to start off telling a young girl when really the boy may think that she's funny. He may think that she's smart. He may think that she's pretty and may want to get to know her more. He may think that they have a very similar sense of humor. But when you plant that seed in a young girl's mind that all guys want is sex from you and then you make sex such a bad thing you're setting this child up this young girl up for two issues now she can't interpret attention from boys properly now she can't regulate her um, communication towards boys because surely I don't want to entice them to have to desire sex for me when that's all they quote unquote want and sex is bad. So now you've, and this is now me speaking, not from this figurative young girl, but from me, my, my perspective, I realized that that's how I was interpreting these messages. But I realized as a young girl, I had these feelings And I had them often. So that would attribute to this idea that, oh, I have this oddly high sex drive. And you hear on TV, women, you know, the comedians, oh, my wife don't want, but doesn't want to have sex with me. And you're thinking you're just watching comedy with your daughter. But really, she's receiving this message that, oh, when I become a wife and when I become older, I'm not going to want to have sex. And you hear these grumpy men believing that they are not getting sex. And these are things that just from hearing it on TV. So think about this. You're hearing these messages on television. You're hearing these messages at church. You're hearing these messages either said to you or or said around you to someone, to another girl. And now you don't know what to do with the natural desire, the natural God-given desire to have sex. 
What if we were teaching our girls how to manage those sexual desires? What if we were teaching our girls how to expect reciprocity or expect some type of uh, respect if you want to have that um, experience with me? What if it's instead of saying all somebody wants from you sex, why don't you make her cherish her body so that when she is in the place where she's choosing to give it she has made a conscious decision and don't just say your body is to be cherished explain what that means explain how valuable she is to herself explain how when you give your body to someone that you're you're actually giving a part of you not just a physical part but an emotional and a spiritual part if you explain that to a young girl rather than just saying watch out for guys all they want from from you is sex you're setting her up to make a more conscious decision you're setting her up to manage her desires against the pros and cons of actually having sex frivolously. We have to be better about not being afraid to speak about sex. I know a lot of times we think that if you speak about sex, then you're going to make them want to have sex. They already want to have sex. I already wanted to have sex. I just held out from it. I initially held out from it because I believed that and I do still believe that that I um, should wait until marriage. The reason why I believe that is totally different now than it was when I was a young girl. But I do still believe that sex in marriage is absolutely God's plan and it makes for better sex. I do believe that. But I, I, I hadn't reconciled that with myself. So I went from wanting to save myself until marriage to now becoming this young girl who, yeah, I, but I, I like how it feels when a boy smacks me on the bottom. That does something. When a boy whispers in my ear and I feel his uh, breath on my neck. And this is middle school now. Oh, I like whenever I get a hug and he wants to hold me and our bodies are close. I like that feeling. But wait a minute, I'm supposed to be wanting to save myself from marriage because sex is bad. This is adolescent me. Sex is not good. All this guy wants from me is sex. Not he might like you. He might think you're nice. He might think you're pretty. He only wants sex. I can't have sex because I don't want to go to hell. So I'm not going to talk to this guy. And then as you grow older, you want attention. You want a guy to think you're funny. But now you're not getting the attention. So now what happened to me? And I'll speak from my perspective. What happened with me is then I shifted and I allowed small pushes to the line 
So no, I'm not going to have sex, but I will let a guy touch my butt. And I'll act like I don't like it. I remember being in seventh grade. I remember it was seventh grade social studies. The teacher that we had, she had such horrible classroom management. She just told everybody, come turn your work in. And we all just got up (laughs) and turned our work in. And there was a big crowd in front of the teacher's desk. And I turned in my work and then I backed up to then pivot and turn around. And in backing up, I bumped into this boy. And um, it was a boy I, I liked. I don't think that I thought he was cute as much as I just thought he had some kind of it factor. I don't even remember what it was. I couldn't tell you what it looks like even now. But I bumped into him. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I kid you not, the the seventh grade boy, that means he's 13, he says, oh, don't bump into me like this, meaning don't bump into me from your behind, bump into me like this. The child spins me around, pulls me, bumps into me, like makes our bodies touch again, bumping each other, but his hand is positioned at my crotch, and I did not protest. I was dumbfounded. I was shocked. I didn't know how to receive it. But the biggest thing is, I actually liked it. Why am I telling this story? Because that became a piece of sexual baggage that I took with me. And it became a pattern for me to not acknowledge my boundaries and I didn't acknowledge my boundaries because no one really taught me my boundaries aside from sex is bad don't do it well you're saying sex is bad but that right there felt really good so if I have to 80 90 percent of the way abstain from sex I'll kind of push my boundaries 10% there. So I'll let these accidents happen. And I let accidents happen. I didn't call people out for objectifying me. And that happens when we don't teach young, young girls the value of who she is. But we just make her this sex object as if she's not naturally going to desire sex well when you don't teach her her value and you just place it all on sex when she decides she wants some sexual interactions at whatever level well now you've created this idea where she wants she welcomes being objectified and that was the start of that piece of baggage and I can see it clear as day now how that one instance led to me allowing another instance it led to me being in high school now and now there's a guy who uh, I don't really know him but he comes close to me and he wants to kiss me on my neck and I allow it I walk away with a hickey that I've gotten in the middle of class 
because I never learned to hold people accountable to my boundaries. Because once I decided that sexual interaction was what I wanted, I was willing to receive it by means of being objectified. But then eventually that turned into lowering my standards so that I can have more sexual interactions. That meant accepting any type of guy who gives me attention, not because my so and and that's why we can't call say it's self-esteem. I knew I was pretty smart, uh, ambitious, but I also knew that I wasn't the kind of girl that guys were into at that time. But I wanted sexual interactions. And I never learned any other way because my mind said, if all guys want from me is sex, then that's all I have to bring to the table. I don't have to be fun or funny. I don't have to find things in common. I just need to bring a willingness for sex to a person who wants sex with me or some kind of sexual interaction and then work both good. And then the problem comes in line where now I don't don't have a habit of establishing boundaries. I don't have a habit of expecting any reciprocity. I'm just okay if I can get a little of mine while he gets a lot of his at whatever level that is. I don't expect a person to want to court me because all guys want is sex and I want sex too. And now it goes from I'm not inter people aren't interested in me because she's approved. People are interested in me because she's promiscuous. Mm-mm. Cause now we're in college now. Oh, I don't want to make that quote unquote wifey. All from these these and, and it just evolves. Because the messages that were taught were taught under fear. You can't fear someone out of doing what they are naturally going to do. You teach people the will of God. You teach people what he has ordained for the for the human body. What he has ordained for sex and relationship. You don't teach girls stay far, far away from sex until you're married. Because what you're also teaching her to do is not learn how to talk to people. You're teaching her when you don't allow her to date because you are afraid that she will give in to her sexual desires because you did not teach her about sex. Well, that's not fair. We have to do better about setting up our young girls. Sex is not bad, but sex with the wrong person 
can be sorely detrimental. It can affect your health. It can affect your mental state. It can affect your idea of a godly relationship. And then the oddest thing is, then once you get into a relationship that is um, ordained by God, well, now you have all of this baggage, be it sexual baggage that turned into ex- experiences that turned into emotional baggage that in turn became more sexual baggage. You don't need that. We are valuable to God's kingdom. Women are. More than being mothers, which we are those things. More than being wives, which we are those things. We're valuable. Our thoughts are valuable. Our ideas are valuable. Our insight is valuable. Our leadership is valuable. So start with identifying your value beyond these sexual, superficial titles. As a wife, I'm more than just a sexual relationship and cooked meals and hot clothes, hot clean clothes. I'm more than that. I, I I do that, but I'm more than that. Say it to yourself first, and then pass it on. Because you don't want to let all of this bad baggage, these bad messages that you held on to continue to affect a future and a present that you've now uh, reshaped and reestablished. Gotta let the baggage go. It doesn't matter that you've learned how to walk with it. It doesn't even matter that it's now a, a prop for you. So you wouldn't really know where to rest your arm without the baggage. Learn a new way. And I had to do that for myself. I would just like to close with uh, a thank you. Thank you for listening this long. Thank you for uh, thinking about what I've what I'm saying uh thank you for just being interested but above all thank you for letting go of your baggage I believe that when we do that we'll not only be better use in our present we'll nurture better generations to come and, and we will establish relationships and goals and dreams 
that are healthy, that are non-toxic. Because we have we can say, now I realize those messages that I didn't know how to interpret, I, I realize how it was lost in translation now. So any experience, any idea connected to me, now I can let it go. So I thank you for letting it go. I thank you for releasing it. And I thank you for committing to teach the next generation better. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please, please, please look out for an, for the next installment. Um, I'm really excited to be able to share my thoughts, to share my ideas, and just to share the wisdom that God has given me in these few years of my life and to have the courage to share it because I've wanted to share it for so long. So stay tuned for more. In the meantime, be blessed and just let the baggage go.